You need quant and qual, right? You need both and you need to bring them together to really get your insights so that you can design the best solutions for customers. But I think what really resonates with people is people. Welcome to the Human Insight Podcast, where we help you bridge the empathy gap to bring you a valuable new understanding of some of the most innovative ideas and trends shaping the future of business and customer experience. Hi, everyone. I'm Janelle Estes, Chief Insights Officer at User Testing. And today we've invited Catherine Richards, Head of Customer Design at Tesco Bank. Thanks so much for joining us today, Catherine, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Janelle. It's great to be here and delighted to come on the podcast and talk all things design. Awesome. So yeah, uh, on that note, you're currently leading customer design at Tesco Bank. So can you tell us a little bit about your role and what your team is responsible for? Yeah, sure. So I run the design practice at Tesco Bank and we are there to um, design the very best solutions for our Tesco Bank customers. And that really encompasses um, research right through to um, user interface. And more recently, we've been investing in service design capability. And so something that we recognized a few years back that we really needed to Um, invest in, bring into the organization um, to really set us apart from competitors when it came to our experience. And historically, the team have been responsible for a lot of digital design. Um, So looking after our website or mobile apps. Um, But I would say probably in the last three years, we've really expanded our remit and our capability. And we now get involved in a whole host of um, problems to be solved across the organization. Um, And that ranges from, um, at the moment, we're looking at what is the role of the office in the future, um, which is really topical, um, given we're all kind of working at home, um, right through to looking at our colleague experience as well. So looking at that onboarding experience experience when you join Tesco Bank and what does that look like? So we get involved in a whole host of things. So um, our remit is is far reaching. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it sounds like you're focused not only on the outward facing sort of customer design for Tesco Bank, but also you're 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 looking at the employee experience as well. Is that correct? Yeah, so we do have a colleague experience um, team, um, but we but they don't have designers per se. So um, we collaborate with those guys to work on the bigger pieces um, of the colleague experience, like um, onboarding, for example. So it's fairly new for us, but it's really a really exciting space, and we're just you know, we're just pleased that we can support the rest of the organization and also look at colleague experience because we know, you know, that's just so important. Everybody wants to rock up to work and have somewhere great to great to work. So and that's really, really important. So yeah, it's great to be part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the with COVID and how the work environment has changed. And now people have, in my opinion, even more opportunity to work at for different organizations that they might not have to go to in office. And so it really creates this competitive environment for talent. 
Absolutely. And I think we are lucky enough to have leveraged that recently. And we've made our first kind of four hires um, actually across the UK. So prior to that, we would be location based um, across Glasgow, Newcastle and Edinburgh. Um, But actually, we're the first team in Tesco Bank to hire remotely. And that's just going to become a new norm for us. And that's opened different talent pools for us. Um, which has been fantastic because design talent is just really hard to find. Hey, when you were describing your team and and sort of your traditional focus, which was, it sounded like more design and digital to a shift to service design, how would you explain that to listeners? Like what is service design and how is that different from regular design? For us at Tesco Bank, we are traditionally a telephony-based bank, and that and that's how the bank was born. Um, but we have been transitioning to a digital-first bank. However, we recognise that customers don't always want to interact digitally, and it's okay to want to call us and speak to us. And typically, customers will do that when they have more complex needs. And so what we recognized is that not all of our touch points are digital and we involve human contact in a lot of our service offerings for our customers. And so to make sure that we are designing the best experiences for our customers when it comes to those services, we wanted to invest in service design, which is really looking at that kind of end-to-end experience, regardless regardless of its digital, if it's digital, sorry, but also spanning into the into the back office and into our customer service colleagues. And um, so wherever there is human contact is primarily where we will leverage our service design capability and looking at those different, I guess, service needs for customers when it comes to things like complaints, for example. You know, again, that's a complex area for customers, and we need to be really good at it. We need to apply rigorous design in designing those services for for our customers. So it's really about, I think, that importance on human contact um, in a a digital world. Yeah, I love that concept because what it does is it, it removes silos internally. So instead of having a team that owns support and a team that owns digital and a team that owns another channel... You're looking at it holistically and from the customer perspective yeah. and the customer's perspective as like human beings, as people, like let's put ourselves in the shoes of our customers yeah. and um, make sure that our experience across however they want to engage us is exceptional. Yeah. I think you have to Janelle, because otherwise what you do is you, you expose customers to your internal silos and customers just ping back and forth between channels. And we've all been there, right? It's not its not a great experience. So you really have to join that experience up um, for, for customers. Um, otherwise, you know, you're, you're not winning in the market. No, you're absolutely right. It is sort of the next level of maturity that teams go through. Yeah. yeah. I've heard that referred to as shipping the org chart, which I think is uh, a, a good way to think about it. Nobody yeah. wants that. No. In your opinion, what is the role of leadership at Tesco in driving customer-centric design and experiences? Yeah, I think for me, it's threefold. Um, So one, it's about setting out what that ambition is, and, and I'll come to that shortly. Secondly, I think it is, as leaders, we have a great responsibility to enable the right environment and conditions 
for people to strive and achieve in. And then thirdly, I think there is a piece around knowing as leaders when to positively disrupt. And what I mean by that is inside out disruption. So disrupting um, the norm or the working practices in the organization. And I'll give you an example of that shortly. Coming back to the first one, and that's really around setting out the ambition. You know, I think that every every company will say that they want to be customer centric or that they are customer centric. But probably you and I know on the ground, it's really hard to do. Like it's not it's not easy. And I think when you, um, especially in financial services, if you are part of an organization that um, has a history and is a big bank with lots of antiquated systems, becoming customer centric is even more difficult. And in Tesco Bank, we have set out our ambition, and that is to be customer obsessed. And what I mean by that, and you know, what does customer obsession mean for us? And what does it mean in Tesco Bank? So for us, it's about that really deep understanding of our customers and their needs when it comes to their finances. And specifically for us, because we're part of Tesco, it's really understanding um, what are customers' money relationships and what are their shopping relationships? Is there a crossover? And where there is, are there things that we can be doing to support customers? And then I think it's around creating that empathy. Um, so really empathizing with customers And I think in financial services, you can become quite complacent and think you are your customer, but you're absolutely not. And, you know, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the customer. You have to spend time with the customer. So I think setting out your ambition is really important as leaders. And we've done that in Tesco Bank. And now we're working towards a plan um, of how how to shift those mindsets, how to create that customer curiosity in the organization and again that that's difficult um, but there are tons of stuff that we're doing that is that is successful so we're doing regular call listening so really understanding why do our customers phone us because you know you and I will know that the last thing people want to do is have to phone their bank right you just want to be able to do stuff and get on with whatever is next in your day and um, so really trying to understand through things like call listening and connecting with customers and then my second thing was really around setting that environment and I think you know we as leaders have got a real um a real role to play in in role modeling how to do that and creating the right conditions especially for designers you know, if you if you don't have the right environment, but you have the best designers, you know, they're not going to stay in your organization. You need to you need to create that um, creativity culture and innovative culture. And, and that can be difficult. So I think leaders have got a really big role in creating those conditions um, to enable people to really flourish when it comes to finding the right solutions for those customer problems or opportunities. And then I think lastly, I said positive disruption. And so what I mean by that is as leaders, you need to know when to make a call to positively disrupt how you're working. And I think probably our best example has been about four years ago, we introduced customer Wednesdays. And this was a day dedicated in the week to spend in time with our customers face to face. Now, for the organization, they hadn't done that before. And so bringing customers into the building, having them, um, you know, sat in front of staff um, 
was something that was quite new. Um, but what we wanted to do was we wanted to lower the barrier to um, to our customers and really connect with them, get them to support us on um, our testing, our co-creation, and really start to share things at a much sooner stage with customers in product development lifecycle. And so knowing when to make those calls as leaders and just kind of disrupt the norm, I think is really important towards your goal of, for us, becoming more customer obsessed. Yeah, that's great. You just covered so much ground and I um, I have so many thoughts and questions about this. Yes. Yeah. So my first one is I wholeheartedly agree with you around this. There's almost like a disconnect, right? Between what leaders are saying, like we are customer centric, or at least we believe that to be one yeah. of the key elements of how we differentiate ourselves. But when you go... I think you said boots on the ground or look under the hood, if you will. Um, most people who are working in their day-to-day roles will tell you that they're, 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 they don't have customer-centric practices that they are able to adopt and follow. And so it sounds like you identified that same gap at Tesco. Yeah. And um, I love the work that you're doing to sort of make this part of what everybody does, everything from you know, the customer Wednesdays to, you know, just including the customer in a lot of decision-making. How did you get leadership to, I guess, I mean, this is a big investment. How did you get leadership to invest? Like, how did you do that? Yeah, no, I know know what you mean. I think, um, so I think the single biggest thing that we've done in Tesco Bank is bring the customer into the conversation and, We've done that in a, in a few different ways. So one of one of the biggest things that we've done is invest time and money into ethnographic research. Mm. So spending time with customers, going shopping with them, going to their homes, observing their interactions with money, and bringing that back into the organisation and storytelling. Mm. Um, that has been so powerful. So when you tell a story about a customer that you've seen or you've spent time with, there's just something about that that people remember. They remember the customer stories, right? They don't remember the theory around why you should be customer centric. They remember that Jill couldn't afford to buy her daughter a winter coat because she needed to do the big shop that week, right? Those are the kind of things that resonate with people because that's the human connection. And so I think probably spending time with our customers, storytelling it back into the organization, exposing the organization um, to those shopper shadows that we've done and showing the video footage has been really instrumental in getting the support, especially at a leadership level and continuously doing that, right? So not just like a one-off ethnographic piece. So we are continuously learning. And again, with customer Wednesdays and spending that time every week with customers, we are just evolving our learning and our deep understanding of what's most important to customers. And everyone can see the value of that because we're talking about it and we're reinforcing those messages across the organization. But it's definitely difficult to get started and to get the buy-in. But I think, you know, for a lot of people, when they hear these stories, they have this penny drop moment, right? Um, where they go, 
oh, right, you know, because that's like that's real world for some customers is that choice between, you know, something for their kids versus buying food and putting food on the table. Um, And Tesco and Tesco Bank are uniquely placed to help customers, you know, feed their families and look after their money. And I think that's where we can really make a difference um, in people's lives. Yeah, I can imagine looking at something like traditional voice of customer measures like NPS, for example, hits differently than listening to a story or seeing an actual customer. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, you know, you need you need quant and qual, right? You need both and you need to bring them together to really get your insights so that you can design the best solutions for customers. But I think what really resonates with people is people. You're right. Along the same line, so your your team's doing a lot of work to pull the customer into uh, the organization. So positive disruption uh, and other initiatives that are helping really drive more customer-centric awareness, curiosity, and decision-making. But at the end of the day, I'm sure the team has different metrics or KPIs that, that they're tracking. And so can you tell us, you know, what are those metrics or KPIs that your team either directly influences or even indirectly influences? And, you know, how does that map back to what your team's focus and strategy is? So in Tesco Bank, we have every year six big measures and everyone is working to the same six every year. Um, so first off, that that's good, right? Because you go to lots of organizations and different departments have different metrics, but that's not how it works in Tesco Bank. So straight off the bat, those six things are hooked to your strategy. So at a team level, we are contributing to those big six. So my objectives are set from the big six and then my team's objectives are set from the big six. And I think that um, for us, we primarily focus on our um, customer experience when it comes to um, propositions and propositions that are live in the market, but also um, the customer experience when it comes to our digital channels as well. And ultimately, we're looking at the performance of those experiences. And we do use measures like NPS. So NPS is a great metric for us and really allows us to understand, you know, um, our customer advocacy and those that will recommend us. Um, But I think we probably do recognize that NPS can be limited as well. And so one of the things that we're looking at this year is can we have a deeper CX metric? And we're actually just starting to look at what what those could be and do we want to adopt something that already exists or do we want to create something more bespoke um, internally. Um, So we definitely would like to have a I guess a deeper level metric and and we're just working through what, what that would look like. Got it. But the good news is that you're aligning yourself to the metrics that the business is tracking, that the business is kind of marching towards and you know, Absolutely. I think for for listeners, like that's a key part of building yourself into workflows and everyday decision making is kind of making sure that you are aligning to that. And it sounds really obvious, but I've seen many teams kind of off doing interesting things to learn about their customers, but not really relating that back into what the business kind of is looking at. And so it sounds like you've definitely done that at Tesco Bank. And now perhaps there's another angle that you could potentially provide on some of these metrics that you wouldn't have without the work your team is doing. 
Yeah, and I think it's about it's about maturity as well, right? As you mature as a as a team and as an organization and you get to grips with the metrics that you have, then you know, you wanna you wanna lift the bar, you wanna raise the bar, you wanna do more, you wanna find out more. So I think it's just a maturity thing as well. So I think that we're becoming more mature as an organization and therefore we want we want to do more and we want to understand you know more around kind of customer satisfaction and the experience and how customers perceive that experience so um i think definitely it's linked to the maturity of the organization yeah it makes a lot of sense so you've been in the financial space for what, most of your career right all of your career yeah. Yeah, almost. I started out studying law and thought I wanted to be a solicitor or a lawyer. Um, and I went to work for a solicitor for two years and realized I didn't want to do that. I always love to hear people's kind of uh, journeys to this space because it's not like you go to school to learn about CX, at least when no. you know we were in college or university. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. People end up in so many different places. I'm not sure I've heard the law path before, though. That, that's great. <laughs> But I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, how has the financial services space evolved from a customer experience perspective over the last, was it decade or so? Yeah. You know, my, my first role in the bank um, was actually rolling out self-serve automation in branches for Royal Bank of Scotland. So um, coin and deposit machines and chip and pin readers, um, if you remember those. <laughs> and that's how old I am. Um, and at the time, you know, that was really revolutionary is trying to get customers in branch to serve themselves. Um, and I know we can laugh about it now and go, well, everybody serves themselves now, right? It's all about self-service. But at the time, it was really difficult to get customers to change their behavior. So they were used to interacting with um, someone in the branch and the branch, you know, manager or branch customer service agent would do everything. And so kind of went from that and then was lucky enough to be responsible for developing and rollout of all of Royal Bank of Scotland's apps, so mobile apps. And that was really when mobile banking was, was kind of taken off. And I think, you know, at the time, mobile apps were transactional, informational, you know, they really were just another way to reduce cost, right? Reduce the cost of having people in branches. So it was another self-serve way for, for banks to, to save money. But I think um, as time's gone on, right, things have got a lot more sophisticated and We've seen kind of the rise of kind of AI, fintech banks coming along, just offering different, different things. And, and a lot of that is around um, customer engagement and personalization, you know, personalizing the experience for the customer. And so um, they, they now become a mechanism in which you can engage customers, deepen the relationship with customers. So it's moved beyond that information of just viewing your statement beyond transactional to now this much richer, you know, experience and personalized way to interact with your customers. And I think, you know, at Tesco Bank, we're definitely wanting to um, have that more engaging relationship with our customers and really leverage that shopping relationship as well. So we're lucky in that our customers have that already established shopping relationship. So how can we how can we leverage that to help customers with their money? But yeah, I've gone from kind of, you know, branch-based banking to 
the beginning and rise of online and mobile. And, and now it's just so much more sophisticated. So those channels still exist, um, but they're very different from when they started. And it's, you know, it's really exciting to see kind of what you can and can't do with an app now um, or, or online banking for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's a really interesting experience that you've had the transition of your kind of career from offline to online to um, these sophisticated experiences and things like personalization and building relationships. Like it just begs for more of the human perspective from your customers, right? Like a transactional app, for example, is fairly easy to imagine what people want or expect. And you can and should, and I'm sure you did at the time, like get feedback from people on what they expect and what they want. But it's like, you start to move into these areas where you're out in front of what people want before they even know they want it. Yeah. And trying to pull that into your experience. It's just a different, it's a different game now. Yeah, totally. I think it, you know, when, when mobile apps first came out, everybody was just doing what everybody else was doing, right? The, the features were the same. It didn't matter who you banked with. You could just do the same things on the app. Um, but now it's, you know, it's a different game. So you can, you know, have that more personalized experience or interact with a customer service agent through through an app, right? Because you've got a more complex need, for example. So yeah, it's definitely been a journey, that's for sure. The evolution of experiences has certainly matured, to use your word. And I think the practice of design is also maturing. And so I'm curious from your perspective, what is your take on like career development for designers? And how do you think about supporting your team in this ever-evolving field? I think it's um, different for for every designer, right? And really depends on kind of what their aspirations are or where they where they want to get to. I think the great thing about working in Tesco Bank and design is that um, because we because we look at so many different things, so not just you know digital design, but you know the future of the office, the onboarding experience, and you know redesign reimagining the complaints experience. Um, there's just so much variety, and I think that that just makes the designers more more well-rounded, more experienced. Um, we have internal frameworks that we use for for career development, but again, they're more a um, bit more generic. Um, so we will we will look to um, invest in what we call our superpowers for the year. And so we always invest in one big superpower for the year for designers. So last year it was the art of storytelling. Um, And so we invested a lot um, into trying to um, give those skills and capabilities to our designers so that we can you know, tell great stories um, and really um, lift that kind of presentational skill element um, because that's so important when you're constantly kind of showing your designs and talking to people about research and insights. Um, And then this year, our superpower is um, behavioral design. So really looking at um, how we can help customers um, create more positive um, positive money behaviors um, and really helping nudge customers in the right direction around financial wellness and financial health. Um, and that's 
that's becoming really increasingly important um, within Tesco Bank because I think in a lot of our research we see time and time again how um, you know the stress of money um, can really impact people's health, people's mental health, people's physical health, and so you know we've got a responsibility as Tesco um, to support our customers and promote that financial financial wellness, if you like, or financial health, and so really thinking about how we can help customers save more or help them believe that they can save. So a lot of our customers, you know, don't even believe that they can save. Um, so how can we support them? Um, and we're just um, in the midst of a proposition launch at the moment. It's a bit of a soft launch, but it's a new product where customers can ring fence their shopping money um, on a weekly basis. And we will round up the pounds and pennies in Tesco and put that in a pot for customers. Um, and that's really around helping those customers who think that they can save, believe that they can. So the pennies equate to pounds and pounds can equate to something much more. But a lot of that is around those behavioural nudges. So behavioural behavioral science and behavioural design is becoming something that we are wanting to get more, um, more capability in within the design practice in Tesco Bank. That's really powerful. I love the idea of focusing on a superpower every year. And we all know the importance of storytelling, but this notion of behavioral design, and I mean, essentially it requires you getting into the minds of of your customers to better and understanding the way, how people are motivated, right? What's important to them. And then using to design to facilitate success for them. And I think there's a really, there's a really fine line in the nudges, right? Yes. you don't want too many and you don't want too little. So what's enough? And we're just kind of probably just finding our feet on that, if I'm honest, um, which is OK, right? Because you just have mm-hmm. to try things and see what works. And if it doesn't, then change it. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming back to you, just your question on kind of um, developing designers, one of the things we're also passionate about is finding that grassroots talent. And um, so particularly in Scotland, um, it's really difficult to find um, great designers. And so one of the things that we'd like to focus on next year is um, investment in grassroots talent. So we have, and we know we have a lot of people who work in our telephony centers who have got um, design degrees, who have got psychology degrees, um, and who are working in a call center because they can't break into the field that they wanna break into. And at the moment, we actually don't we don't have a kind of grassroots entry level um, position in our team. So that's something that we want to create and we want to get focused on something like an apprenticeship scheme. And so that's something that we're going to be working towards in the next year because we recognize there's lots of talent out there who just need more nurturing and also just need a a good start, right, and a a hand. So we want to try and um, be at the forefront of that, um, especially internally as well, because we recognize that there's so much talent internally as well. Yeah, that's um, that's great, right? Because it gives people a kind of a foot in the door. I think that that's one of the, the challenges, particularly for people who are shifting into this field from a, a non-traditional path, right? Like, yeah, yeah. 
So those that maybe want to pivot from something like support or marketing or product to this field, which can be kind of challenging to get into um, without a, a solid sort of education or, or previous experience in a role. So that's that's great. And I think uh, that, um, sorry, Janelle, I think that team, you know, often teams are so busy that they just want to hire people with experience so they can hit the ground running. Um, and, and, that, and that's okay at points in time, but at some point you need to step back and you need to invest. Agree. Agree with that. So what are your thoughts about collecting customer feedback during this time where we can't be in person physically face to face? You know, you mentioned the customer Wednesdays and you bring people in, assuming to the office. How did that shift and change with COVID and and how did the other ways you were collecting feedback shift as well? You know, a couple of things. Thankfully, um, we use usertesting.com. So um, we already have a ready platform where we can interact with our customers, you know, tw- 24-7 basically. And so we probably, I would say, have used that more um, than than kind of previously um, because it was already kind of set up and, and good to go. And then secondly, customer Wednesday. So that would be physically meeting customers face-to-face so we just had to repivot that overnight and do it virtually, which at the time seemed a bit daunting. But I think that the team have done a fantastic job in kind of reworking that um, operating rhythm that we had with our customers coming into the office. So, you know, we've just been using um, Zoom and Teams like everybody else. But I think I think the thing that um, probably not worry about, but something that, you know, sticks in your mind and, and you'll know this right so you you can listen to customers you can read what they write but until you spend time with them physically and observe what they're doing versus what they're saying you know that that's really important to do and we've and we've missed doing that and so I think for us um, we definitely want to get back to seeing our customers in either in Tesco stores or in their homes and spending time with them because that's when you pick up the real nuances between what customers say and what they do and sometimes they can be different things and that's where you can really kind of go a bit deeper with customers and understand their motivations and behaviors and attitudes and why they're doing specific things when you observe it in the wild if you like and so I definitely think that we have done a great job of repivoting to virtual um, overnight and I think that we're looking forward to um, meeting with our customers again face to face because I, I do think that that is that is very important. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But uh, we all have to adjust and shift with uh, yeah with working from home and you know social distancing. But it sounds like the team yeah. has adapted a, a digital solution yeah. for this, which you know is much better than just stopping it right until. Oh, we absolutely. Yeah, and we couldn't stop it, right? Because it's it's what we it's what we do, and um, so it takes up a lot of our time, and we're we're quite. Um, you know, consistent in the time that we spend with customers, and and you'll know until you, until you observe a customer using your product and service, you know you're not going to observe those frustrations that they have with your products and services. So that's really important that you keep up that time with customers so that you can see those things for yourself and then do something about it. So we're gonna um, move into our our lightning question round. Although I feel like we could. Uh, 
keep going on these bigger topics here. So quick kind of rapid fire um, question. So uh, what's a book you've recently read that you'd recommend to listeners? I'm actually rereading a book. Um, so it's Creativity Inc. It's quite an old one by Ed Catmull, but I read it a few years ago on holiday, but I'm now reading it with a specific purpose because we're trying to overhaul our design rituals in Tesco Bank. And so I remembered that that book had some amazing ideas in it. So I'm rereading it with a specific um, intent in mind. And uh, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone trying to convince others to invest in customer-centric design? My one piece of advice would be put them in front of customers. It's a good one. Have the penny drop moment. You know, being in the field of of CX and UX, I'm sure you recognize great experiences and and bad experiences too. What's a recent great experience that you've had in your own life lately, and what made it so great? So it was probably with EasyJet, um, and it was about flights and moving flights, canceling flights, which I'm sure we've all all been exposed to. But I would say that EasyJet are consistently great at um, adapting to what's currently happening adapting their um you know their rules around flights and I had to move some flights and I just thought that they made it so easy and fantastic service and just seamless really and I fly a lot with them so I just thought it was a great experience you know you've been in design in the design field um you know you're you're running a great practice at Tesco Bank um what do you think about the future of design and customer experience and and what what are you most excited about there? So I'm going to be quite selfish and talk about the future of design in Tesco Bank and Tesco. And I think, you know, COVID-19 has totally upended everybody's lives and every aspect of life, um, but none more so than you know, customers' money and the ability to feed your family. And, you know, so many people have lost their jobs or had to change their career um, because, you know, things aren't happening like, um, you know, the travel industry. And I think that, you know, in the UK, Tesco has been at the forefront of that. And I think that we've got this massive opportunity to, um help customers, you know, manage their money a little better every day, which is our kind of strategy. And I think that given COVID-19, I think people's, you know, attitudes and motivations around money is changing. And so, you know, the exciting opportunity for us is getting getting on the front foot with that um, and really understanding that change in behavior around money and attitude towards money and making sure that we understand from a need perspective what's most important to customers. And that's probably you know the most exciting exciting thing for us so yes COVID-19 has been you know it's awful but it has given us probably new opportunities to focus on when it comes to to money. Yeah it's almost like something that you've known so well for so long has now been reframed that's an exciting challenge for a team that's focused on great experiences. Yeah I think you know people are People think differently about their money now, um, you know, because a lot of people haven't had it and and they've lost their jobs and their income has decreased. But also for a lot of people, a lot of people have saved a lot of money um, because they haven't been doing the things they would typically do or they haven't been doing bigger things like holidays. And so I think that there is a lot to take in around that change in people's attitudes and motivations and behaviours towards money. And then how do you repivot in order to 
serve those kind of, I guess, evolved needs around money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating from a kind of um, perspective of understanding people and humans and, and how yeah. their whole kind of thought process has shifted <laughs> around finance and money. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's really exciting for us. Yeah, it sounds exciting. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Catherine. This has been incredibly insightful. I've I've learned so much from you and I'm I'm really impressed by the practice that you're running at Tesco Bank. So thanks for, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Janelle. It's been awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Want to keep the conversation going? You can visit our podcast hub, usertesting.com slash podcast, and check out past episodes. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play, so you can never miss a good episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts.